You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name, Milwaukee Bucks supporter at the Athletic Wisconsin. And joining me as always is my good friend and the founder of Brewhoop.com, Frank Madden. Frank, how you doing, buddy? Uh, I'm, I'm good, Eric. Um, I have not had as adventurous a week as you have. <laughs> um, not a lot of snow down here in Texas, although I was driving from Dallas to Austin last night during the uh, large portions of the game. And um, no inclement weather. Uh no, uh, you know, friendly Australians riding shotgun with me. Um, but I did, uh, I did, I basically, I watched the, basically watched the first half. Uh, then I started driving and then was listening on the radio. Shout out Ted Davis. And then for the last two minutes, I actually pulled off the road and watched on my phone. Um, cause I wanted to watch it. Uh, so I, I pulled off the road, watched it. And then, uh, just wait, did you get to see Middleton's three that made it a five point game or was that? No, the, the one that gave okay. them the one Oh one ninety five lead. No, I was, I was still, uh, I was still driving when that happened. Um, Oof. so, but yeah, that was, um, I, and then today I rewatched the game with my dad who's visiting my mom and dad are visiting down here and, uh, they watched the game last night. So as I was watching the game, my dad was like, "Oh yeah, here comes that big shot. Here comes that." So I was like, oh, <laughs> "Really remember this game very well." Um, but uh, yeah, so so I I've had a chance to sort of consume it. Well, like maybe let's say one and a half times. Um, and uh, man, what a great way to go into the All Star break. And and obviously, you know, yeah, it's no Victor Oladipo, but man, Pacers were Pacers have been winning games. I mean, to to snap their streak, and I think as you guys are pointing out, right? I mean. You know, Giannis in particular, I think, had something to prove to maybe not <laughs> the world or you know to us, but he wanted to show the Pacers that they are not the Giannis stoppers. Thad Young is not the Giannis stopper, and um, to deliver, you know, after that twelve point effort uh, in December to uh, to bounce back with you know one of uh, the most dominating kind of all around performances of his career, I thought that was. Uh, that's a hell of a statement, and um, you know, I, we I feel like we haven't seen a lot of these games where the Bucks are kind of like, you know, I mean, they were they were down ten points in the fourth quarter, and I don't I don't know. I mean, we're, we're kind of so used to the Bucks playing from the front, and they did have a couple of games early in the season where they were losing by a lot. I think like the Philly game, there was that Bulls game where they were down twenty or whatever in the first half, um, but you know, for the most part. Bucks have generally played from the front. You know, they haven't had to kind of come back in games like that a lot. And so, uh, you know, it's one of those things, right? You got to you gotta get reps, doing, winning different ways, doing different <laughs> things. And um, we can talk about that as well, sort of <laughs> the way the Bucks played lineup-wise, especially in that fourth quarter. But, um, but yeah, I thought it was, uh, it was a really satisfying win. I mean, we joke about all the, 
you know, boring, quote unquote, boring wins the Bucks rack up, you know, even on the road um, where they just sort of are leading by a lot and just, yeah, you know, they just get their 15 point win or whatever. Um, but this one against a team like this that, you know, you've already lost to and you want to kind of really stick it to them and remind them, hey, yeah, you guys may be third, you may be hot right now, but we're the freaking best team in the league, man. And we're going to go into the all-star break reminding every people, everybody of it. Yeah. And, and I think satisfying is the way to put it because like I, this, uh, as I said last night on the pod, like I don't think this is their best win. Yeah. I think you can put a number of wins up ahead of it, but you know, just when, uh, I mean, just when you think the, the bucks are going to finally lose to a team for, or lose twice to a team for the first time the entire year. You know, you think they're going to throw up a, another stinker in Indianapolis. You think they're going to lose to a team that doesn't have their star player. Like you think all of these things are going to happen. And then, you know, the, the league, the league MVP just says, no, not, not going to happen. That that is not happening on my watch, and you know he finally gets a little bit of help from some of his friends in that fourth quarter, and uh, Middleton hits a couple shots, and Brogdon has a couple nice drives, and strangely enough, Ursani Ilyasova makes a couple middle school layups where he gets it out of his hands as quickly as possible, so he doesn't get blocked. Like you, you get you get a couple of those baskets, and you know like he just it it just felt like the entire game like Giannis just needed a little help, like someone just just give me a little bit. Uh, and in that second and third quarter, it didn't really seem like anyone had it other than, you know, maybe George Hill at the end of the third quarter. And then finally in the fourth, they get it and just end up coming up with, with a win. And you, you mentioned something before we started recording, but um, you know, I, I think last night we, my mind was just so blown that they decided to go switch everything <laughs> with, with the jumbo lineup that, you know, like I think a lot of credit should go to Mike Budenholzer for trying something like that. But you were kind of saying, like, do you actually get credit for just throwing shit at the wall? Like, is that something that, you know, you, you deserve credit for? I, I guess just kind of how did you process everything that they were doing defensively? Because um, they did a lot of different stuff last night. They got a lot of stuff that they don't typically do. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I noticed it this afternoon when watching the game, like the, the thing that jumped out at me was, was blood. So going over a screen that miles Turner set at the top. And then instead of, you know, basically, um, getting, bringing kind of the, the heavy rear contest that we're used to seeing, on the point guard dribbling towards the rim, letting Brooke Lopez just take it. And then Bledsoe basically kind of cutting back to make sure that Turner can't get, you know, a pick and pop pass. And that's something that I, I remember reading, uh, cleaning the glass. Um, ben Falk last year wrote early, I think early in the season about what the Celtics were doing defensively that was working so well. And, and that was kind of a staple of what they did. And I've always thought that was a really kind of, you know, good compromise um, between just like a, just straight switching defense and, you know, kind of a more like conservative type type of zone drop and try, you know, basically go over and recover type um, and, you know, chase down type defense that, you know, normally the Bucks do. So I thought that was, was interesting because, you know, Turner's obviously a guy that can hurt you from the top. And, you know, I kind of wonder, I mean, is that like practice for when Al Horford's going to be doing that? Um, the first game after the All-Star break, you know, I think uh, a lot of people, especially national media, have sort of looked at what happened in that first game in Boston and just been like, oh, well, the Bucks aren't going to be able to, you know, the Bucks, this is this big question mark and the Bucks defend teams that have, you know, uh, a shooting five. And 
totally valid question. We've we've talked about that a lot and how that's something that, especially with Brooke Lopez on the floor, the Bucks are going to have to, you know, figure out like how, how, what's the best way to attack that. And so it was interesting kind of seeing that early in the game. Turner obviously did not have a good game at all. Um, and then, I, you know, kind of the, the very different end of the spectrum um, with playing these big guys. And I think on the one hand, I mean, you know, yeah, if, if Ursan and Brooke Lopez are in a, you know, I guess technically it was a three, five pick and pick and roll or something at the top of the key. I mean, I guess, yeah. I mean, why, why would you try to send Ursan over the top of a screen? Right. I mean, there's, there's no point in even trying to do that. So it's not like some revolutionary thing for the bucks to try to switch that instead. Uh, and I think, you know, I've, I've generally been impressed. Like it's, it's not, not necessarily always by choice, but when Brooke Lopez like somehow ends up with a smaller guy, with the ball and he's got to basically kind of just move his feet and, and defend him in space. I, I mean, I got to say, I've been pretty impressed with how well Brooke kind of maintains his discipline in there. those scenarios. I mean, probably the, the best example in the fourth quarter on uh, last night was when Collison had one and he eventually forced a, a travel when he picked up his pivot foot. But, um, you know, Brooke's really good at getting, getting that, that stick hand up, right? Like he puts his right hand up and, and basically yep. just says, all right, I'm, got a freaking seven, six or seven, five wingspan or whatever, you know, yeah, you can get a shot off over the top of me. Sure. But I'm putting this huge mitt up there attached to this really long arm. <laughs> and so it's not just going to be you know, like a clean look. And then when guys drive, I mean, he, he is pretty good for a guy his size who obviously is not, you know, this isn't DJ Wilson or even Giannis in space, obviously. Um, I've generally been pretty impressed with what he's been able to do there. Uh, and we see it a lot too, like that, that kind of nimbleness also sort of shows when, you know, a guy, a, a guard is kind of attacking the rim and they like throw a little dump off pass and he's often able to recover and basically play two on one. Right. Yep. Um, like I'm thinking, especially of that game in Houston where he just completely shut down Clint Capella, who's normally, you know, just getting easy looks. And I mean, he's, Capella's a very good finisher around the rim now as well, but he just totally snuffed out Capella. I think he was like four out of 15 or something like that. So Lopez, I mean, I think it's interesting. I think he, you know, we're seeing that he's more versatile defensively than certainly I think a lot of people gave him credit for um, in the past. And obviously we'll see, right? I mean, I think there are, <laughs> there are limits to that. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it was interesting. I thought the putting Ursan on Bad Young was probably the kind of weirdest thing to me for long stretches of that fourth quarter. Um, I don't know. Um, I know Giannis got him sometimes too and had a couple of really good defensive possessions against Dad Young, but I think Ursan's probably the guy that I, was sort of like the hardest for me to justify being in there because, you know, Sabonis can just bully him and Dad Young really should be too quick for him. But, you know, credit to Ursan. You know, he, he uh, kind of survived and obviously, you know, it seems like that, that, that trade, which was meant to basically take his rotation spot with Nikhil Miritich seems to have finally motivated him or, you know, subconsciously or otherwise to uh, start being a useful player again. And, um, you know, again, I think as we've said, there there are limitations, I think, to what Ursan can do against the best teams. And I think that's going to be in more stark relief when you play in the playoffs. But, um, you know, again, in the regular season, as long as he's not in a horrendous slump, um, you know, yeah, he can be useful. And I think, you know, we've seen that these last couple of games. The funny thing you mentioned about, uh, you know, Sabonis just kind of muscling through Ilya Silva was uh, something that Matt Velasquez and I were joking about on Press Row last night. But 
for all of the charges that man takes, he refuses to take the, the like the most classic charge where where in the post someone throws a shoulder at you and you you know you stand up to him, you push him back, and then the next time they do it, you just drop to the deck. It's the most classic charge. It's the one that I think probably happens most often uh, outside of a Wisconsin high school basketball game. Um, but like that, that's like that's the classic one, right? Like you bait them into it. They put the shoulder into you. You drop to the deck. You go the other way, and everyone's happy. And I, I don't know if it's Ursan being like too prideful or or what it is. But as soon as someone throws a shoulder into him, like. He gets real rigid and feels like he's got to try to, you know, stand up to the guy and like, well, you know, Sabonis is going to go through you, man. <laughs> as tough and as strong as you are, like Sabonis is tougher and stronger. Like he's just going to do that. And it was really funny to to watch that play because, I mean, I don't know how many times did Sabonis throw a shoulder into him? Four times on that post up? Like he just like kept going and kept going and kept going and kept going. And Ursan just never hit the deck. Um, so it, it was kind of interesting to watch. But yeah, I, you know, uh, I think I think in some ways the novelty of what the, the Bucks did last night just kind of threw the Pacers. Like they were just in a really good rhythm offensively and then – the Bucks threw something totally different at them and made them go to stuff that they didn't normally do. They, they don't, they're not a particularly good ISO team. And, you know, I think it just kind of threw them off, but yeah, I, you mentioned the, the Lopez one where he forced the travel. I thought the, it didn't even end a possession, but the Lopez one where I think it was against Collison, Collison dribbles around attacks a couple times and then dribbles all the way out to the right corner and was about to attack Lopez again, and Lopez just like poked it out of bounds. And to me, it was like, okay, you didn't win the possession there, but you won a reset of the possession. And it was just like, that's really impressive. Like you, you, you took on a point guard, handled him, pushed him back out to uh, the right wing, and then stripped him. And maybe it wasn't Darren Collins. I can't remember exactly who it was, but either way, like he he had that kind of sequence. And yeah, I think. Um, you know, if, if we've learned one thing this season, it's probably like s- stop underselling Brooke Lopez. Cause he's just going to do stuff <laughs> and you're going to be impressed because he's, he's wickedly talented. Um, and you know, that, that was a really impressive stuff, especially from a guy who's got a, I don't even know what his shoe says is 19 or 20, probably like to be able to pick him up and put him down like that was, you know, just kind of crazy. And I, I thought really through the Pacers, um, Anything else you have from from that Pacers game? Obviously, I got a chance to talk about it. I'm curious if you have anything else. No, I mean, again, I think the main thing is just be honest. I mean, wow. Like, I mean, there was that there was that one stretch where he he missed some shots. I think in the uh, I want to say maybe in the kind of middle quarters, he had a stretch where he missed a bunch of shots in a row. But um, I mean, you know, yeah, I think you you mentioned it right. The way he started and the way he finished um, was just extremely impressive and. Um, I mean, I, I tweeted his numbers for this month uh, yesterday, and I mean, he's you know, he's like at over 33 a game, I think like 14 rebounds a game, almost seven assists per game, 70 some percent true shooting, you know, I mean, it's just, you know, that I, I keep thinking back to what you mentioned about um, when you were watching a game with Matt Moore, um, our friend from the Action Network, and just, you know, asking, like, well, is Giannis going to have his month where he just sort of dominates and kind of puts the league on notice that like, yeah, I'm the MVP. And, um, you know, 
I guess I'm happy for the all-star break. Good chance for guys to recharge their batteries a little bit. Um, but hopefully Giannis doesn't, uh, doesn't lose the, the edge he's been playing with a late. Cause um, I, I don't know if we've seen, seen him ever better over, you know, a sustained period than, than the way he's been these last, last kind of few weeks here. Um, you know, he's just been, uh, just been something else. And, I mean, I don't know what you say. It's, we, we, you run out of superlatives, right? I mean, he's just been insane, and it's it's fun, going to be fun. Uh, you know, I think it's a great way to go into the All Star break. You'd love to hear, you love seeing kind of some of that MVP momentum, maybe swinging back his way a little bit with the Bucks in first place. And um, you know, I, I think uh, I think TNT is running the a Gian, kind of a like I think it's an hour long kind of Giannis documentary. Um, Five thirty on Saturday. Saturday. Yep. Yeah. So that's that's cool. Or five thirty um, central. I don't know where our listeners are, are going to be based out of five thirty central. Yeah. So again, it's um, it's fun. Although one nitpick on that. Um, so I've been I've been Jonathan Gavoni and others have been kind of tweeting out some some kind of like clips, and um, I think there was one where um, they were talking about uh, you know, his agent was um, was talking about or no, he was Gavoni, but um, they were talking about like you know when scouts started to see him play uh, in, in Greece when he was, you know, 18 playing for, you know, this is a second division team and, and all that. And they were splicing it with, you know, they had like, it was interviews and they were splicing in um, footage, but it was footage of him playing for the Greek national team after he was already in the NBA. So, I mean, it was like, yeah. you look at some of this footage, I mean, it's Giannis, like, like it was not, <laughs> it was not baby faced, you know, deer and, you know, baby deer learning to walk Giannis at all. And I was kind of like, all right, this is like making, I mean, yeah, if you saw 20 year old Giannis playing for the Greek national team <laughs> in a crappy gym, you'd be like, this guy's incredible. He's, yeah. you know, a top pick. That is not the Giannis that those guys was those, those NBA scouts were watching. Um, and so I, I felt like it was a little bit like, all right, well, you're, you're not giving, you're not really exposed. And it, I'm, I'm guessing, you know, when we, when we get to the proper documentary, I'm sure it'll show like the legit, you know, footage as well. But that little piece, I was just like, somebody watches this. They're not going <laughs> to like, I bet most people are going to think that's what he looked like when he was 18, 17 years old. And it's like, nope, nope, not even close. Um, so anyway, um, looking forward to that. And, uh, Chris Milton was on the jump today. Just, um, uh, you know. Uh, Bucks fans enjoy it, man. Um, you know, you obviously high hopes for this season, but you gotta you gotta really just sit back and enjoy, especially a weekend like this, it's a celebration of the league, and to have you know Giannis at the center of of all that, being captain of uh, one of the teams in the All Star game, and Chris Middleton breaking through and being there, you know, the coaching staff being the coaching staff of Team Giannis. I mean, this is um, this is as as far as like regular season things go. I mean, this is this is a bit of a victory lap for the Bucks, you know, to to be on this stage with so you know basically you know everybody really you know Eric, maybe I don't know who knows right. There's a last minute injury. I don't know what Kyrie Irving's kind of injury situation is. If you know maybe there's some like vague chance of uh, Eric Bledsoe still sneaking in there. I'm, I'm guessing not, but um, but you know it's it's an it's a celebration just seeing uh, seeing so many kind of great buck storylines beginning with Giannis uh, heading into this weekend. Well, while we're here and you're plugging all sorts of content, um, I just wanted to say that if you head over to the athletic Wisconsin, you'll be able to find a uh, Chris Middleton and Giannis story about uh, their, let's say their formative years in their relationship. Uh, there's there's going to be some fun stuff about 
Giannis as a rookie and Chris in uh, his first year in Milwaukee and kind of how all that started. There will be some uh, Breakfast with Bud content in it as well. Uh, so there, there's some fun stuff that I have for all of you guys there. So um, enjoy that. Uh, hopefully you guys go check that out over at The Athletic or you're subscribed at The Athletic. And if not, I can talk about it uh, next week during the podcast. But So one thing I wanted to say about, um, you know, you mentioned will Giannis have a month. Um, this is the thing that that's kind of interesting to me is it felt like Giannis played a lot in that game, right? Like mm, 38 it, minutes, th- 38 minutes. And for reference, James Harden averages 37.4 minutes per game. If you go a little bit further down the MVP list, I think Paul George would be in that conversation. 36.2 minutes per game. You go a little bit further down, I guess Anthony Davis was kind of sort of in the conversation, 36.4. Like, I don't, I, I mean, you can laugh at it, whoever I throw at, because there's only three legitimate candidates, yeah. but whoever else you want, like, Giannis is very much not on the minutes per game list. Like, he, he's, he's nowhere close to it. And, you know, I, to me, that is one of the interesting things with that is, you know, like, people are going to check in on the bucks, right? But they're not going to understand just how little Giannis plays. Like, I, I just don't think you could, unless you watch this team night in and night out. Like, sure, you can look at the minutes per game board and then start to think through it and be like, oh, well, you know, maybe we should use per 36 for all these guys and maybe that'll even it out a little bit. But like, that's too much work. Like, that people just want to be able to look at points per game, rebounds per game, assists per game and say oh, these guys are this. And I think there's at least at some level uh, an assumption that the top guys in the league are all going to play a lot, right? Uh, I mean, I think that's something that I thought going into the year. And we're about to talk about some of the things we got wrong before the season here uh, as we wrap up the podcast. But it just feels like seeing him play 38 minutes was like, oh my gosh, look at how much he played. 38 minutes. Like that would have been like, a pretty typical night for Giannis last year. Like we were talking about like 42 minutes and stuff like that. And, you know, I do think it does, it makes a difference. Like you are able to obviously assert your will, will even, even longer, but you get in slightly longer moments of rhythm. You're able to, you know, just get a little bit more flow. Like I do think that can really help it out. And, you know, that just kind of stood out to me last night where it was like, Oh, yeah, 33 points, 19 rebounds, 11 assists. He gets his triple-double, and it's like, well, you know, if the game isn't as close and Giannis plays 33 minutes, he probably doesn't get a triple-double. And <laughs> as you think about Russell Westbrook and his triple-double streak and, and all this stuff, it's just like Giannis doesn't get those minutes this year. And I just think it is something that, you know, Bucks fans will appreciate and understand, but I think from the outside that it might be a little bit more difficult. But yes, I think this this weekend is definitely a celebration. Uh, obviously, Chris gets to get his first All Star appearance. Giannis has his third. Giannis is the captain. Giannis always puts on a show in the All Star game, so <clears throat> I wouldn't expect really anything less uh, from him in this one. And you know, one thing that I was going to say as well is, um, you know, I think it's worth noting. That, you know, as you're thinking about celebration and, um, you know, enjoying what the Bucks are doing, it's important to remember the Bucks are 43 and 14. <laughs> and I, I say I say the, the record because it's just flat out, you know, silly that they are this good. 
But the other reason I say it is 43 plus 14 is 57. 57 of 82 is 69.5% of the season. So we always end up saying the halfway point at the all-star break. This is not the halfway point. This is almost the three-quarter point of the season. So I think during this time that sometimes people can get swept up with, oh, you know, well, they're just the best team at the all-star break. Like, what does that really mean? Well, that means they were the best team for three quarters of the season. <laughs> like that's what, or I guess if I want to be totally accurate, uh, 69.5% of the season. Like, that's how good they've been. And like, there, there isn't, to me, like, this, this isn't, oh, well, you know, you know, maybe it was a fluke or something like that. Like, this is a legitimately good basketball team. And I, I am very curious to watch and see if everyone kind of recognizes that and understands that this team is really very good. And, you know, I, I think it'll just be. It's worth keeping an eye on if will all of this kind of turn at some point where instead of asking, oh, are the Bucks good enough or do they have enough talent? The same criteria that's applied to them is applied to everyone else. Like, oh, are you know, are this are the Sixers any good in the playoffs? They we don't know that. Uh the last time they're in the playoffs, they got embarrassed is that the right word by the celtics um are the celtics gonna work in the playoffs this incarnation hasn't worked of them so how's that gonna work the raptors have had struggles in the playoffs before they are a different team now i understand that but again they have all these all these questions and you know just as you read these articles about the bucks being the best team at the all-star break um i i find it very curious that one criteria is set to the Bucks, and that same set of criteria may not be applied to all the other teams in the East. Yeah, I mean, it's as simple as people thought Philly and Boston in particular were going to be great this year. Um, I think people expected Toronto to be really good this year, too. I mean, I I probably, I, I can't remember what I, what I said. I think I I think I might have had Toronto one. I thought Toronto and Boston would be the top two. I think we we I think we and a lot of other people sort of said looked at Philly and were kind of like eh, pump the brakes a little bit on those guys. Um, given I, think, kind I would of say we way. were we were cold on Philly, and I feel pretty good about that. Uh, obviously, they've made some trades and stuff, but I feel pretty good about that that like baseline prediction that we had yeah and um i you know and i think the i mean the real surprise has been boston right i mean boston just being what they're still fifth i think or a fourth fit you know boston philly tangling for the home court in the first round that's probably been the most surprising thing to me toronto being really good isn't surprising um and indiana being still this good even without a little depot i think is surprising i thought they were not going to be in the class of you know the other top four teams um, so it's been kind of a, an interesting, you know, evolution there, but, um, but yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it, you know, we were talking before the podcast, I mean, you know, they get Boston at home, um, right after the break, they get, uh, two more games against Philly, one home, one road. And, you know, other than that, they've kind of played a lot of the, you know, kind of hard games, the best teams, right. They've played the Warriors yep. twice. They've played the Nuggets twice. They've got the Rockets at home, but they've already kind of gotten the road game out of the way. Um, you know, you kind of look at obviously Toronto, you've already beaten them three out of four. Uh, Indiana now, you've beaten two out of three times. You get 
one more home game. Um, so, you know, it, again, it's, it's not to say, oh, yeah, the last 25 games are going to be a breeze. Um, but again, I, you've knocked out a lot of your, you know, we, we had this very kind of congested schedule here over the past few weeks. Um, there was obviously that, that tough road trip that they more than survived um, early in the season that, you know, kind of had the Nuggets and, and Golden State wins. Uh, so, yeah, it's been, I think, you know, I mean, it's just, it's, it's incredible. I mean, the, 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 those two stats, right, the the not losing after a loss, you know, never having lost two games in a row stat, and the fact that they still have not lost more than once to any team, I mean, it's just remarkable, you know? Um, and, I mean, just, I mean, you'd think you'd split a series against somebody in the East, right? I mean, that's, yeah. that's not an unusual thing. I'm, I, I don't know. I've not seen any stats around how often, you know, like if that has happened, I, I assume the Warriors didn't lose twice to any team the year that they went 73 and nine. I'd have to double check, but you know, just guessing they probably didn't lose twice, but um, yeah, it's been a, uh, it's been a wild, uh, a wild, awesome, fun, season so far and again you just kind of you know obviously hope for continued good luck with injuries and um you know it's kind of like almost nerve-wracking you know it's almost like oh let's just you know now now i finally kind of understand uh, a little bit you know when when like the people who follow good teams just feel like uh let's just fast forward and get to the playoff right um (laughs) i mean i'm enjoying the regular season immensely so i don't want to fast forward in that sense but part of me is just like, all right, the Bucks are playing so well right now, other than integrating Miritich, you know, I just kind of want to like bottle this and, you know, you don't want to lose it. Right. I mean, you'd almost worry a little bit about that. You're peaking too early. Um, but well, that's how you win a, that's how you get a number one, <laughs> number one seed, right? You gotta, you can't just, you know, basically yeah. bide your time and um, be mediocre for, you know, a month stretch or something like that. I mean, you gotta be on your game all the time. So um, again, you know, you just, I mean, especially with with a, a team, even though that's largely similar roster to last year, but with new coaching staff, I mean, just obviously the more time you have together, the more reps. Um, and like we're seeing, you know, they're trying different things defensively. I think they're obviously, I think, pretty confident at this point that their their base kind of system works really well, and they can use that. And that's going to be what they normally do. But now they're throwing in wrinkles and doing different things. And um, you know, I think to Bud's credit, I imagine a lot of that is probably because yeah, they, they're going to have to start to sharpen up on some of these things as they look ahead to the playoffs. Yeah, I, I think, man, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I get that. I don't know if I get that sense around the team, but like, you know, I have asked a number of guys about that. Um, you know, just about the idea of you guys don't really have anything left to prove in the regular season. Like, like everything around them and you know obviously every player is going to answer that uh line of questioning with you know you just take it one day at a time and you know you you gotta keep winning games and you know you gotta just you know we, we play out every day and try to do our best every day and whatever other cliches you can think of but you know i i just remember talking to chris middleton about it and he's just like yeah but in some ways it's like everyone's questions for us are about the playoffs like no one uh, he, maybe no one isn't right um, to say, but he, he's like, no one really has questions about us here in the building. Like in the building, we don't, we're not thinking about like, oh, can we win games during the regular season? Like we're, we're not thinking about that. Like we're trying to build towards a championship and, you know, championships are won in the playoffs. And, you know, I, I do think to at least 
to some extent, like I think that that whole organization knows that that's where the questions lie. And, you know, I, I've done a, a bunch of radio hits, obviously, uh, over at 105.7. And, you know, I, I do those every week. And, you know, the one thing that we keep coming back to is there's always going to be a conversation about the off season and, you know, how much you pay Chris and how much you play Bledsoe, Bledsoe and Brogdon and Lopez and now Miritich. And, um, you know, you try to figure out all those things and, you know, it's really frustrating to answer questions in this way, but, you know, I, I keep telling my good friend Sparky, like, tell me what they do in the playoffs. Then, then I'll give you a very clear answer of what they should do in the, in the postseason. And it, it, to me, it is just kind of incredible that we're at this spot now, you know, 57 games through the season, 69.5% of the way there. Um, we're already only talking about that. Like that's how this season will be defined. And I think that just speaks to the systems that have been put in place by this new coaching staff. I think it speaks to the talent that this team has. I think it, you know, it, it kind of, just speaks to how good this team is. And it obviously Kane and I spent a lot of time together in the last uh, couple of days. So we ended up talking basketball, uh, a little bit about life and all sorts of good things. But, you know, when we were talking about basketball, like some of the ideas that, that keep coming up is uh, something you mentioned with, uh, you know, did, did the Warriors ever lose two games in a row? Like, did they ever lose to the same team twice? Like all that stuff. Um, my shotgun partner did not look up whether or not uh, they lost to the same team twice, but uh, the they never Warriors lost two in a row. Not, yeah, I was going to say, right? They, they never lost two in a row. Yeah. The Bulls did lose two in a row. Uh, and one of, one of the two was against the Milwaukee Bucks, um, which is a strange bit of history uh, that we found out as we were on the road. Uh, so shout out to good Wi-Fi networks uh, in the middle of nowhere in Indiana for that. But, you know, like, that's what we're comparing them to that that's the standard like if you go by their numbers if you go by their net rating if you go by their point differential if you go by all of those you know numbers that we like to check on to check a team's performance they all say this team is not just good historically good and you know that's why there's been this idea that you know kind of i keep coming back to and keep struggling with is um it's impossible, and, and I saw another article do this in the last couple of days, where it's impossible for anyone to mention the Bucks without either mentioning recent teams in the East that have failed despite good regular seasons, like uh, the Raptors. Um, of you know, they've put together some really good years and then not had postseason success, not been able to vanquish LeBron James, and then Bud's Hawks teams. And, you know, the one thing Kate and I were talking about today was, you know, if you go starting lineup for starting lineup of that Hawks team, the Bucs are better at, hmm, I think you can say Tegan Bledsoe's a wash. Like, maybe maybe you'd still say Bledsoe's better. Maybe some people would say Tegan's better, but I think it's wash-ish. Uh, so, so you go there, then you go to... Damari Carroll, who do you want to match Damari Carroll up against? Malcolm Brogdon? I think Malcolm Brogdon is probably a better player than Damari Carroll. Let's move on to Kyle Korver. Kyle Korver, Chris Middleton? Chris Middleton's better. Uh, Now we're going to go to power forward. Giannis versus Paul Millsap? 
Giannis is obviously better. Horford takes Lopez, but that's about it. And I don't think the advantage that Horford has over Lopez is enough to distract from all those other things. And like the, that 60 win Hawks team keeps getting brought up. And I understand why like Bud was a big part of it. And uh, it was all about team-based basketball and not multiple superstars. But if you just go below to that next layer to see, okay, those guys were in superstars, but you know, like Chris Middleton is really good. And I, I don't know if you can say that same thing for, for Kyle, Cor- like Kyle Corver was a great shooter. Don't get me wrong, but he wasn't, he wasn't as good as Chris Middleton. Like if you go to Al Horford, like he's definitely better than Brooke Lopez because of the two way value that he has and everything that does. But Lopez has been pretty damn good. Malcolm Brogdon is pretty damn good. Eric Bledsoe is pretty damn good. Like this team, despite not having multiple superstars is really good. And, you know, like I think that is something that everyone not in Milwaukee is going to have to grapple with. And ironically enough, everyone in Milwaukee is going to have to grapple with because there's just always going to be that idea that, this Bucks team can't be this good. I've never cheered for a team this good before. Like, how how can they be this good? And there there will always be the you know the desire to poke holes in this team. Yeah, I mean, it's, well, the funny part about the butt, I mean, the funny part about the about the Hawks comparison is, it's like it's pointed out as though it's like a reason to doubt the current Bucks, but it's like I mean, that Hawks team went to the East Finals, right? I mean, <laughs> like they. They really didn't have like a superstar, mm-hmm. and they still went to these finals. And I know they got rolled by LeBron, and they but... couldn't beat LeBron. And you know who has LeBron in the Eastern Conference right now? Oh yeah, yeah. Bud in the Bucks. They have they have right. LeBron in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, so it's it's uh, I don't know. It's kind of those things. Like I I don't even like getting. I I almost just try to avoid debates about like oh can the you know well, who's the favorite in the East and you know because I mean Jesus like. You know, like there should be no doubt who the best regular season team is here, and it's really just you know, like are they are they just can they just translate that right? And yep. I mean, there's no reason to think they can't, you know, other than just the experience factor. That's it, you know. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think it's it's going to be fun. Um, I, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I'm nerve. It's it's kind of nerve wracking too, because like you know, I think I think once they if they can just, you know, hopefully win a first round series without much drama, that will be very good for my mental health. Um, <laughs> you know, that's kind of the the thing that is the most, uh, you know, it's been a challenge. I mean, it's been it just so long. To yeah, it's it been so freaking long. Um, that was more than half my life ago, you know, um, that they last won a first round yeah. series. I mean, I'm, I'm sure a lot of our listeners um, were, you know, younger kids when, when that happens. Who knows? Some of our, if we have college age listeners. You guys don't remember that because you guys were like, you know, either barely born or like, yeah, barely born, right? You, that's like 18 years ago. So, um, so yeah, it's, yeah. it's just, uh, you kind of, it's like, all right, I don't, I don't need to, you know, get into fights with people and tell them why the Bucks are better than the Sixers or Raptors or Celtics or whatever. Like, let's just, let's just wait. We'll just see how it goes. You know, I'm like, all right, just, Bucks, if the Bucks, and, you don't think the Bucks and also could, like every argument you make would be yeah. would be self evident, right? Like, just look at the numbers; it's, it's self evident why the Bucks are better than than the Sixers, right? Or you know what I mean? Like, that's the tough part is the the thing anyone would be arguing. Like, it's only going to be circular logic. 
there's no way because every argument is going to depend on well you know once they get it figured out okay um but we don't know that they'll do that like are you know what i mean like you can only you can only argue circularly like there's no way that you're gonna find super compelling numbers there uh from the other side for any of those teams yeah i mean it's uh i i won't use uh i won't use that that um cold war metaphor that that everybody's using to describe the the eastern conference these days um so uh but but yeah it's it's uh it's gonna be a really fun really fun playoffs i think and there's just some really compelling matchups and um you know still 25 games to go as well so uh, again, you kind of hope the Bucks can close this out in terms of maintaining the best regular season record. But um, you know, it's gotten kind of we've gotten kind of used to that. Um, Warriors lost last night, so that opens up another uh, another loss, another another game in the loss column between them and and the Warriors. They've obviously got a couple games up on the in the loss column as well on uh, the Raptors. But you know, the margin of error is not not very high here, right? Um, I think. You know, you expect the Bucks to win an eye clip, but I mean, if they, God forbid, lose two games in a row, then, you know, if the Raptors keep rolling, then then very easily you could see a situation where they um, where they could potentially, yeah, finish finish below the Raptors. But then again, that's why it's good to have that tiebreaker. So, um, so anyway, yeah, it's, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know if there's a, a, anything much else to add on it other than to say it's just enjoy it, right? This is, enjoy the celebration this weekend. Enjoy all the games that, that you're watching in this regular season. Um, you know, it, it's difficult for a regular season to be much more enjoyable because, you know, it's like you look at the, the Warriors, like they've been good for so long that the regular season is just like drudgery to, the, to them. Um, yes. And, you know, the Bucks are still new enough that it's like, yeah, we want to win every game. You know, we want to win the East. We want to have home court throughout. We want to have the best record. In a lot of ways, that's that's kind of the most fun time because it's still kind of like pinch me that this is real and I'm still getting used to my expectations being so high. All right. Um, we teased the idea that we were going to be reflective and figure out the things that we were wrong about. Instead, we just talked about the Bucks and how good that they've been. But that's okay. We have a lot of episodes to record until the Bucks play the Boston Celtics on Thursday. So we can move that to a different episode. So that's what you can look forward to. Um, you know, we'll kind of look back at some of the things that we were thinking about before the season, some of the things that, um, you know, we got wrong that, that didn't happen. Um, that also means I'll probably need to prepare and go through over unders and maybe give an update on where we were on all of those. Um, I, I would guess both of us are, did, did we end up both going, we both ended up going over on wins. So I think we'll be okay there, but, um, I feel like I've debate- got, I feel like I've gotten a lot of them wrong though. Like I think I had Middleton above 20, like I think you said 21 points per game. So that's way off. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I feel like I've, I've like, I'm my batting average has gotten crushed this year. Last year. I, I think it's going to be bad. Yeah. yeah. Last year, last year, I feel like we got everything pretty much right. This year, I think we just set maybe we just set better over unders and you know whatever. No, I mean that's like a, the fourth year of a coach versus the first year of a coach. Like we we knew Jason Kidd's tendency tendencies uh, quite well. That's true. Um, <laughs> uh, and had a pretty good idea of what was going on uh, going into the season. So uh, we'll go through all of that in the next couple of days, and uh, also we'll recap the All Star game and uh, the three point contest. And the, I'm trying to think what else the Bucks the celebrity game. Maybe we'll give you a Mark Lazary update. Um, and 
that'll be that. Uh, so for Frank Madden, I'm Eric Dame. This has been Lockdown Fox. We'll talk to you guys next week.